In the name of God, who creates us, redeems us, and sustains us. Amen. I wonder what your first thought was when hearing this morning's gospel text. Were you transported to the last time you read this passage, alone or with a Bible study group, or to a distant memory of a vacation Bible school skit? Perhaps you remember a brilliant sermon someone gave on this text. I was transported to our children's chapel where I remember telling this story with several kindergarten helpers from the cathedral preschool during our five-week study of dirt last Lent. Four children acted out the life of a seed in four kinds of soil. Dodging birds, wilting, choking, and thriving. I think it's helpful when reading the parables to place ourselves in the various roles, to see what we can learn from these different positions of the story. The role of the seed, of course, is to grow. And yet the saying, bloom where you are planted, is often easier said than done. Today, I want to explore what it means to be the soil and what it means to be the sower. The soil is probably the most obvious connection. What kind of soil are you? Jesus talks about what is sown in the heart. So that's our starting place for soil. What in the world can you do to ensure that your heart is ready to receive the presence of Christ? How can we ensure that our hearts are fertile ground for the kingdom of God to grow more fully in this world. The parable highlights mostly what not to be, hardened, rocky, or weedy. As much as we might be tempted to build walls around our hearts to defend ourselves from the anxieties of today, we are called to have soft hearts, accessible hearts. And as much as we feel called to care for others, important work, a little self-care is necessary. Not indulgent, but necessary if we are to be strong enough in our hearts to endure. Finally, we have to make space for the kingdom of God to flourish. We have to weed out what might distract us from the most important growth. In this way, we can avoid being hardened, rocky, or weedy. But what makes good soil? In my experience, some helpful aids are compost, fertilizer, and turning the soil. I bring this up because on the surface, these might seem like things to avoid. Compost is, of course, decaying matter, nutrients made possible by death. And fertilizer is, well, you know what it is. And you know what it smells like. Not pleasant. And turning the soil? How many of us like to be turned 
upside down. All of these things can be considered hardships and all three can provide fertile ground for rebirth, redemption, deep rootedness, and life. Two more thoughts on soil. First, soil has seasons. I'm the granddaughter of a West Texas farmer, but I think everyone knows that fields have seasons where they must lie fallow so that the nutrients may be restored after many seasons of growth. So you may have days when you feel your soil is rich and you may have days when you feel your soil is depleted. You may even have times where you vacillate between the two just in the context of one day. Secondly, I believe that Jesus's parable can be applied both individually and communally. So I'm wondering about what this means for each of us tending to our own hearts, but I'm also wondering about the heart of this parish, the Cathedral of St. Philip. And I'm wondering about the heart of our broader community, the city, state, nation, and world. How do we tend to our common heart for the common good? Okay, enough about soil. Let's take a look at the sower. The immediate and logical impulse is to think of the sower as God, or God incarnate in the person of Christ. What does this parable tell us about God? Well, God would not have made it long on my family farm. The description of the sower throwing seeds this way and that almost willy-nilly with total disregard for where the seed might actually grow best. The sower reminds me of a toddler just throwing seeds into the air with glee, eager to see where the wind is going to take it. This is not an example for your agriculture or even business textbooks. No, this is an example of holy extravagance and audacious hope. How very kingdom of God, don't you think? It reminds me of a visual I hold dear. Most summers, I fly to Texas to visit my remaining grandparents, two of the most important people in my life. And I know I'm getting close to home when the ground 20,000 feet below begins to look like a patchwork quilt of circles and squares. The green circles are where the center pivot irrigation arms can reach. These super long sprinklers pivoting on a central point where the water can't reach the corners, the ground is brown and seemingly barren. Nadia Boltz Weber talks about this phenomenon in the intro introduction to her book, Shameless. She says, crops aren't planted in circles. They're just watered that way. The water never gets to the crops in the corners. God planted so many of us in the corners. 
Yes, God plants everywhere. The sower is indiscriminate with hope. Isn't that beautiful and wonderful and powerful to ponder? And yet, it's also a call and a challenging one because we are called to be followers of Jesus. We are called to live our lives following the example of an extravagant sower of seeds. Forget strategic plans. Forget prudence and prevailing wisdom. Forget pragmatism and conservation. Embrace your inner toddler and throw seeds to the wind, trusting the Holy Spirit to carry it farther than you would imagine or even feel comfortable with. This kind of sowing can be excruciating and exhausting if you are constantly looking for results. You will be let down. People will let you down. You will let yourself down. But it can be freeing and exciting and awe-inspiring if you can walk in the knowledge and love of God and of God's provision, letting go of the results, letting go of control, letting go of the seeds anywhere and everywhere and all the time. Jesus says, let anyone with ears listen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.